this is Record Night. Uh, I'm Ryan. And I'm Chris. And how do we do Record Night, pal? Well, we draw a theme from a hat, and then we each pick a record that we think matches that theme. We listen to it, we analyze it, we talk about it, we review it, and we just kind of hang out. Yeah, we do. Uh, this is our 17th episode, and what theme did we pull from the hat last time? The theme we pulled from the hat last time was literary influence. Um, so, uh, I'm sure we, I think we interpreted both different ways, but, um, I think, I think so, yeah. Bit, I think you went more, a bit more traditional with the theme than I did. Yeah. Um, Mostly because I think this was my, this was my suggestion. Yeah, yeah. And I had, yeah, I, I think I had very specific albums in mind. Yeah, my, my, um, I, I had a few albums that I could have chosen, but I stuck with this one, but I did get a little inside baseball with it, but we'll talk about that when we get to mine. <laughs> but, um, what did you pick, pal? Well, let me let me hit you with the runners up first. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. Um, there was a uh, an album last year by Mega Ran, who we've listened mm-hmm. to before. Yeah. Um, and MC Lars called Dewey Decibel System. Yeah. Which is um, each song is based on like a book or a story, and that's very just like we like books. <laughs> um. One after that was Desaturating 7 by Primus. Right. Which I mean, you is... Gotta, you gotta put Primus almost in everything, right? Oh, yeah. Well, do you I think mean, this one's just a straight up... Pull, any category pull, do you think you could put a Primus record in there? I probably could. I could probably... <laughs> if I wanted to, I could probably reach and figure something out. All right. Um, which, that Desaturating 7 is just a straight up uh, interpretation of a kid's book. Okay. And it's pretty good. And then uh, Gods of the Earth by The Sword, because there's a lot of references to, like, Conan the Barbarian, mm-hmm. um, Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. But I went with Leviathan by Mastodon. Yeah, they're classic record, right? Like, um, 2004's two, the Leviathan is, I oh, think, yeah. when everyone who listened to uh, metal, or alternative, I don't know what you want to call it, underground metal all right but uh mastodon was a the, the leviathan was the record that brought them to public consciousness right it's- oh yeah for sure i think it's it's still one of their stronger albums it's probably mm-hmm. my second favorite what's your first favorite is it crack the sky crack the sky you know uh the first time i ever saw heard of mastodon um there was a, i used to go to shows a lot when i was a teenager in dallas and i saw this guy wearing a mastodon remission t-shirt Nice. So it has a spaghetti you know, horse on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's the first time I'd ever heard of Mastodon. I was 2002 or something um, when I saw him wearing that shirt at that show at the punk venue, the anarchist punk venue in downtown Fort Worth called 1919 Hempill. And I think they're still going. But um, Nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's the first time I heard Mastodon. I checked out, like, what was that, March the Army Ants or something of that, that first record? Oh, uh, March the Fire Ants, yeah. Yeah, March the Fire Ants. And I wasn't into that, but I was definitely into Leviathan. Uh, I like Remission. Um, I mean, I like most of their albums. There's two I just flat out don't like. And that's kind of, that would be The Hunter and Once More Around the Sun. Is that stuff that came out in Roadrunner? Uh, I don't even know. Who they, I thought they were on Relapse. I'm not sure. They were on Relapse for the first two records. Okay, this is all post-Crack the Sky stuff. Okay, okay. Um, what, what do you What do you think happened? I think they just kind of got tired of... They, they kind of shoehorned themselves into this, like, we do concept albums about these things, and a lot of them are based on elements. 
and then <laughs> Crack the Sky came out, and you know they did their big thing. I feel like that one they really, really thought about, did some stuff, and with I believe it was the Hunter, they said like, okay, we just kind of want to make like they called it like a party album, where they're just okay. like we just which. Do, to me, sounds like coded speak for we want more radio play. Because <laughs> Crack the Sky, like most of the songs are like over five minutes. There's a couple that are like and over ten, I think. Yeah, din- yeah. Like for example, uh, we'll get to that in this record, but um, yeah. So I I think they kind of shoehorned themselves into this like progressive metal thing, and I I don't know if there was pressure to move on or. They just wanted to do something different. I think they wanted to do something a little little more fun to put together. They just kind of jammed, and I think The Hunter was really successful, so they kind of more or less stuck with it, and, and they haven't not, quite... You're not a fan of The Hunter, as, a, as opposed to... The I'm not a fan of The Hunter, not a fan of Once More Around the Sun, and uh, what's it called? Emperor of Sand is my least favorite of the ones I like. <laughs> okay. So it's like, I like it, but it's not as good as Remission. It's not as good as Leviathan. It's not as good as Blood Mountain. It's not as good as Crack the Sky. You, uh, you like Blood Mountain a lot, don't you? It's all right. I think I like it better than Remission. It's um, got the best name of all the records, honestly. Blood Mountain's amazing name. It's cool. It's a really cool album, too. Uh, but but we are talking about Leviathan. A mm-hmm. um, little history on Mastodon. They are formed in 2000 in Atlanta. Uh, Georgia, that is. Um <laughs> Leviathan's their second album. Uh, this one, I feel like it has prog, progressive rock influences, but they they don't really go too hard on it until like maybe the second to last song. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of the start of them like going like full prog, which is like I think like Blood Mountain and Crack the Sky, but it's still great. So this I feel like really bridges the gap between like a traditional metal and progressive metal um so why it is a literary influence is it's a loose interpretation of uh, moby dick yeah well yeah um and i think anyone who has any sort of idea what moby dick's about like like without let's say no one said anything about it i think by the first song if you if the first song um you could probably mm-hmm. figure out what it's about the front probably also gives away the, the cover of this thing is fucking fucking awesome Oh. Yeah, the vinyl version is even better. Oh, it is? Okay. I have it. It's. I mean, let me grab it real quick. Let's sure, see sure. roll around. I <laughs> planned on grabbing it before I scoot it over. Where are you at? There we go. So, I mean, oh, a little more wheel. kind of like... You get whole wheel on this one, yeah. silhouetted, um, but it's the the gatefold specifically that I like because you get this, you get the full image of oh, the nice. album cover. You That's got like killer. underwater gods. You got the Moby Dick guy. You've got uh, Mountain or an Island. You've got that famous Japanese wave painting. <laughs> you've got like the Tower of Babylon up here. It's epic record. Just um, yeah, a lot of so. Uh, oh, that so it's a god and. Nope. Wait. Yeah, it's a Leviathan. Yeah, Big ass Leviathan. Shark. Also, Le- um, uh, Leviathan. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, man. I, 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 uh, I, I have. It's been a while since I listened to this full thing, like all in one. So um, same. I was so I listened to it uh, last night at God. It had to have been like one thirty in the morning, 
and I'm sitting, I'm like sitting on my couch, just kind of like air drumming, just like, ah, fuck yeah, this album. <laughs> just sometimes you forget, like it's been a while since I've kind of sat down and listened to some Mastodon, and you just, sometimes, I don't know if this happens to you, but you forget how good some of your favorite bands are. Right, right, and then you go, because you, you go like, take a little take break. A, yeah, yeah. take a little break, come back to it, you're like, fuck, why well, haven't been listening to this, so. Yeah, so um, it's it was just kind of nice to plop back into it, just like, fuck, man, this album kicks ass. But I had mentioned earlier um, that each of their albums kind of, early on at least, their first four represented um, elements, whether it was a bigger part of it or a smaller part of it. So you have Remission, which I think has retroactively kind of been like, oh, this is like our fire record. Okay. There's no through line of like fire in it, but it's like the cover. You said it was spaghetti, but I'm pretty sure it's fire. Yeah, yeah. But maybe yeah. it's just really good spaghetti. It's like fire spaghetti, you know? It's a cool, it's a cool, definitely like one of the coolest covers of, if you guys get a chance to take a look at Remission, the cover on it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, Leviathan is obviously water. Takes place in the ocean. A lot of water sounds in it. Um, Blood Mountain, I believe, is Earth. I'm going sense. off, I'm going off like Avatar The Last Airbender to remember <laughs> what the elements are, and I always forget if like, Plants are an element. I don't think they are. So it's Earth. No, it's Earth because I just watched Avatar the last year. I'm currently rewatching it. Okay. So it's Earth, Wind, Fire, and Water. Ah, there's one more. It is the quintessence, the fifth element. It is Ether. Oh, which it's is not... what which Crack the Sky is. Crack the Sky is based on Ether. So it's not Mia Jovich. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alright. She I mean she might be Ether. I do. I, I fucking love the fifth element. That movie. It's so good. good. Yeah, that movie so kicks good. ass. I want to rewatch that. We just watched recently rewatched both Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones, and I was like, "Fuck, man!" I had good taste when I was younger. So, These so movies still did, kick ass. Did you watch Indiana Jones? Did you watch Raiders? Raiders, yeah. Uh, my wife hadn't seen Raiders until I took her to like a midnight showing at this theater downtown Dallas when we lived there, and I and uh, also took her to, to Jurassic Park. I had to nudge her awake during that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I think Jurassic Park's kind of a weird one as far as, like, the pacing of, like, modern movies goes. Because it has yeah. this, like, it has this kind of short introduction where you get all the characters, and then it's almost split into, like, two halves, where it's, like, the first half is, like, isn't Jurassic Park super cool? Don't you wish this existed? And then the second half is, like, no, that would fucking suck. And then it's all, like, but, the action stuff. One of the things that makes me laugh when I w- watch Jurassic Park now it's just like, oh, touch screen with CD-ROM. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. And apparently, apparently, uh, unlocking shit on a computer just it looks exactly like that. Apparently, yeah. Like she's going through, <laughs> trying to hack. I know this. I'm like, no, she doesn't. But hey, it's uh, a movie. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, You didn't yeah. say I the put, magic I, word. I still uh, love uh, Jurassic Park. That's I do too. It. Yeah, Jurassic Park still rules. Uh, my fiance had not seen uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark before. Oh, it's so good. So she so was just good. like, and she's kind of starting to realize, like, holy shit, this John Williams guy is a pretty good composer. composer? Yeah, yeah. So, because we watched Jurassic Park, uh-huh. uh, you know, we watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, we watched, I don't, we haven't watched Jaws, but it's like, I'm sure she knows the Jaws theme. So you're doing like, a big Spielberg kick lately? A little bit, yeah, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> and then, um, uh, I mean, he did, he did the Harry Potter score, didn't he? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like she's yeah. just like, oh shit! How is he? I think so the good? last, <laughs> I think the last one he did was, uh, I think, the Last Jedi. Oh really? Yeah. One. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck! I forgot he did Star Wars too. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, iconic. Like, 
like his scores are I mean you it's one of the few composers out there that you hear something and it just immediately associate with the movie it's like it's crazy yeah. <laughs> uh, that reminds me I went to uh, Mills today looking for the Midsummer soundtrack I could not find it oh dang I got my copy for Christmas I heard <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um uh I'm I'm pretty mad because like last night I had kind of decided like all right I'm gonna stop like online shopping and shopping yeah. and just spend spend less money and then like six hours later they post on Instagram like hey we got all this King Crimson and it's like fuck that's what I'm looking for <laughs> yeah I uh, I meant to pick up Red when I was down there today but I got I totally forgot you know I don't know but yeah you know. it happens King Crimson stuff's also a little hard to find and usually a bit on the pricier side when you do find it. Oh, if it's, like, new, right? Like, they barely... Do they print new ones? I think so. They've done a bunch of, like, reissues recently. I just don't know yeah, how I mean, many Spotify has all the do. reissues and bonus editions and all that shit, so... Yeah. But it's, like, but, every uh, time I find a King Crimson album, it's, like, each one will cost at least 30 bucks uh, used. And it's, like, you got three of the ones I want. I'm not dropping $90. <laughs> well, um, do you want to give our listeners... Oh, yeah. ...to hit this... <laughs> Go ahead to Spotify and I'm um, doing a music podcast. Hold yeah, on. <laughs> yeah. I had forgotten. Okay, so just like if if you're a new listener and you don't know, um, what we do is we typically give you about a 10 second chance to queue up the album, listen to it, and then you can kind of come back in and listen to listen to us break it down with kind of the album fresh in your head or you can just wait 10 seconds and listen to what we have to say if you know it well enough um i'll have a playlist made on spotify with this podcast and both the albums in whenever order we talk about I'm them to edit it i can i'll be able to let you know what's but that yeah yeah it sometimes takes me a little bit to edit it because i'm so oh, a yeah. lazy person edit <laughs> yeah but that's right the playlist will still exist yeah okay we'll be good so Mastodon, uh, Leviathan, we'll be back in 10 seconds with our thoughts on it. And we are back from Leviathan by Mamat. By Mamastodon. By Mastodon. Mamastodon. So uh, first off, I want to talk about a few overview uh, thoughts of this record. First yeah, off, hit me. like... So first off, everyone in this band's so technically proficient like, oh, with their it's, instruments. It's like, so crazy. Like right, right, right off the bat, they sort of um, they sort of show you how fucking good they are. <laughs> like yeah. on the first, on the first, like from from beginning to end, really. Um, and this is, I think, the opening track on here, uh, especially just like the regular guitar opening, really shows what drew me to Mastodon and a lot of their earlier albums is like. They just have, they've somehow just found these fucking kick-ass riffs that somehow don't sound like anybody else. It doesn't sound like, it doesn't quite sound like thrash metal. It doesn't sound like death metal. Like, they found this, like, n- niche of, but I, of I their do own. Think, I do think that this record harkens it back a lot to late 80s metal. Mm. Uh, um, like, you can hear it in there for sure. The, I mean, the voices, the vo- vocals are different. But, yeah. like, w- when it comes to, like, guitar work... You can hear it in the spots here and there, um, but the thing about about Masonas, they are definitely a they are definitely their own band. Like oh, you yeah. hear them and you can hear you're like this is Mastodon. Um 
And they're just so like, they're so like riff oriented is what and I And also like. yeah, they're grooves they they groove big time. Oh yeah. And not not like new metal groove, but like like they are <laughs> such a tight unit. You know what yeah. I mean? And so like uh so so at no point did I feel like they were falling apart. They they're right fucking like a laser, like thin when it comes to how how tight they are. You know, like, like yeah. never at any point did I feel like they were falling apart. And I, I feel like there is some sonic space there. They never, they never break that membrane, make it sound like a mess. That always sounds fucking awesome. It all sounds super cool, and everyone plays. They're proficient, and they're also really unique in what they do. Like mm-hmm. we'll mm-hmm. we'll hit on some moments, like when we get to um, like the ninth track on here, Megalodon. They do a lot of a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, but like the drummer does his fills, not like off time, but it's like he'll start his fills on like the fourth beat and but he won't come back in until like the second beat of the next measure like i don't know it's doing all this really interesting technical stuff this is also a great drum record just like when we talked about so uh we talked about king crimson this is also a great drum record um i mean really honestly i didn't want to i didn't want to say much about drums because all the instrumentation in this is so fucking for shift proficient but um the drums in here i feel like should be turned just a little bit more in the mix because uh, you gotta listen to it on headphones because <laughs> yeah. i uh, i heard it on mine oh yeah you want to talk about track by track yeah let's let's do the huge starts up with blood and thunder and it has that perfect staccato uh riff to it you know yeah uh at the beginning and uh, i didn't know this but you know that um neil fallon of clutch was featured in this song i do know that it's the first thing i wrote in my notes <laughs> okay <laughs> These are my fun facts that I get to say. Oh, okay, sorry. Fun facts okay. are for me only. <laughs> okay, uh, but what I wrote down that, you know, anyone with the ancillary knowledge of Moby Dick can understand this song. Yeah, um, White Whale, Holy Grail, right off yeah, the yeah. Boom, right this, off the bat. This song has crushingly heavy, or it's crushingly heavy. But yeah. it, it's also, it does have lyrics that you can hear. As opposed to mm-hmm. a lot of real records, like like that's part of what I think what Mastodon stands out. Is like they do get brutal and they do scream, but you can, if you listen to, it, you could probably make out most of the lyrics to the song. Just yeah, by exactly. Not, they're yeah. they're like, I don't know, screaming or guttural stuff or whatever they do is never so far into making that sound that you lose what the lyrics are. Yeah, and uh, I wrote down brutal imagery because this song is all about brutal imagery, just fucking yeah. split your lungs with blood and thunder, and you're like, oh, yes! God. I gotta tell you a story. Okay. So I went and saw Mastodon. Uh-huh. And oh, who'd you see him with? Uh, th- this specific show was with High on Fire and Death Clock and I think Converge. Jesus, fuck, dude. <laughs> really? It was a good show, yeah. Uh, who was it? Was Death Clock headlining? Yeah. Uh, well, it know. was. I mean, it might have been a double headline with Mastodon because they played for a while. Because Mastodon are a, uh, they're up there when it comes to like like popularity. Oh like, yeah. Um, Converge and High on Fire. Fuck, those are also like legendary bands. So I can't imagine what that was like. It was great, but this was. They weren't like not popular, but it was like they weren't playing like stadiums or any shit like mm-hmm. that yet. This was. Maybe between Blood Mountain and Crack the Sky, right after Crack the Sky. So I think around at the time there was like a meme going around of like a guy who is getting broken up with, um, and he yells like "Split your lungs with blood and thunder." And it goes into this like really well drawn like Moby Dick thing where he ends up like killing the white whale, and then it it like cuts back to reality real quick, and it turns out he's just like stabbing her new boyfriend or something. 
So is this a meme or is it like some sort of horrible thing that happened? No, it was like a, I don't know, like a rage comic or something. Okay, okay. But I remember it being really popular. So a lot of people who were there, that was the only song they knew. And I had this motherfucker oh. behind me the whole time yelling in my ear as if to both request the song and during the song, all he knew is split your lungs at Blood and Thunder. So he's like, split your lungs at Blood and Thunder. <laughs> Spare your lungs at Blood Thunder! Don't you hate when you're seeing a band live, and let's say it's a quiet song, and you hear some guy doing the front go, Woo! In the middle of a quiet song, and you just want to fucking murder that person? I hate the woo, but what I hate even more, because the woo guy's at least into it. Okay. I hate when it gets to a quiet song, and all of a sudden, everybody starts talking, and they talk over the song. Ugh. You just get this, like, low rumble of a murmur of people like, so the only time I've never been disappointed, I'm, I'm gonna tell the story real quick. Well, I'll tell it on my on my, but uh, but because yeah, but um, it's weird when you can tell a band when people are disrespecting a, a band by talking to the performance. You're like, why the fuck did you even come here? Like, why did you come see this band play if you're gonna fucking talk to you the whole time? Yeah, it drives me crazy. Okay, Blood Thunder though. <laughs> yep, good song. Kicks off the album right away. It kicks right into it and doesn't let up until the last song. Um, um, I, I, I do have some um, some some actual terms in this. Like I, I love remorseless emperor, you know, yeah. uh, and it, it definitely does show the desire that Ahab wants with a uh, this uh, white whale. You know what that thing smell like, but um, <laughs> he, he wants to he wants to he, he wants to kill it. I don't know if you uh, did you watch do you watch Parks and Rec? Yeah. Do you remember that scene that Ron Swanson was talking about? He's like he, he talks about Moby Dick and he says his favorite book. And he says uh-huh. it's just a it's just a book about a man who hates a fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have you ever read Moby Dick? That's what I mean. Question I wanted to ask. No, I'll get Dude, I'll get to it someday. Someday. Uh, it originally um, came out as a serial in a newspaper. Oh really? So yes, I can imagine it being. I mean, I Moby Dick can be found on any library or you can find it online. Uh, I think I have it downloaded on my Kindle. I guess I can uh, I do that. that. I have a Kindle now. Oh, yeah, oh you I do think, have a Kindle. Real, yeah, real quick. The, I thought you were against Kindles. No, I just prefer books, but uh, I'm doing summer classes right now, and a lot of the books I need are on ebook, and I can't mm-hmm. quite run to the university bookstore to pick them up, so I've been using it. Yeah, okay, cool. Plus, uh, it's a to... it's a cheap, easy way to read public domain shit, so you can just download the PDFs for free. The the only problem I have when it comes to ebooks is finding the right translation for foreign books, especially Russian authors. Oh, I have yeah. a hard time finding a a serviceable you know uh, interpretation of you know anything by by Trotsky or uh, or you know even Crime and Punishment. Much uh, just I like have, Russian. Man, I really could. Um, let's <laughs> let's move on to I am Ahab, the second track on this, right? Yeah, and uh, you know Captain Ahab, captain of the ship, and Moby Dick. Yeah. Um. So it does this really cool thing where, like, the main riff, when it's played for the second time, they just mute it. And it, mm-hmm. I don't know, it makes it sound so much cooler. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, they, they find ways to make it hit hard throughout this whole record. Anything that's supposed to make it hard, it hits fucking hard to shit. Yeah. I may have is no exception. But th- this one really talks about the sea, the seduction of the sea. You know, like, 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 and, um, and again, more about killing the whale. You know, Ahab really wants to kill the whale because it took yeah. his leg. You know, yeah. bitch took motherfucker took his leg and he, he's pissed about it he's so upset <laughs> one but, thing uh, i do i do appreciate um and another reason i haven't quite read moby dick yet is apparently there's just a lot of chapters that are like going into the minutia of whaling 
and I'm glad they kept it out of this album. I don't want to listen to a whole song about tying boat knots, (laughs) how to keep blubber from spoiling. Yeah, I mean that that would sound boring shit. There are books that do that, like the the, all the Bible, Um, (laughs) and um, and uh, lots of uh, lots of um. So I'm going to sound super hipsterist when I mention reading Infinite Jest. But if it's just oh, yeah. a lot of minutia, like, you know, they'll have footnotes that are 20 pages long, you know, Jesus. one footnote. And that's why I got on Kindle because I can just press it, you know, I might automatically take in there instead of having the books, which I do have, going all the way to the back, find that footnote, reading, then going back. Uh-huh. Um, Kindle made it super easy to read Infinite Jest. So if you ever decide to become a uh, David Foster Wallace fan and you want to impress uh, anyone, the best way to read Infinite Jest is on their e-reader. So Impress anyone? Some people, <laughs> not anyone. <laughs> Other some hipsters. Will, some people will just roll their eyes and be like, "You're such a hipster." And I'm like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> uh, um, but this this song also really shows off, like, kind of just the cool instrumental passages that they get into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the, we'll get into it later on. But there's, uh, I think you'll know what song I'm talking about when there's an amazing change up. But oh yeah, Jimmy's is, yeah. But see, uh, I'm pretty good. Uh, then we move on to Sea Beast, right? Yeah, kind of a slight change of pace. Yeah, it. You know, at first it sounds kind of slow. You know, it's like their slow song, but um, but it definitely doesn't stay that way. <laughs> yeah, but it's the first song that has a sense of melody for sure. I think so. Yeah, or at least more of like a like a singy melody. Yeah, yeah. Because the other songs kind of have like hooks and stuff like that. But yeah, um, this is the first time when you hear uh, them trying to sound like they're singing, which is, uh, you don't hear that a lot on le- records put up by Relapse, but um, right. this is one of them. But, yeah, uh, the lead guitar in the like intro part and kind of the between verse parts mm-hmm. is so good. It gave me the chills when I was listening to it again. Yeah, they talk about Q, uh, Dr. Q-Hack books um, a bit, getting really into the book then when they're mentioning characters like that. Um, yeah. And, you know, they, again, I think almost every song they mention how obsessed with Ahab is getting that way well. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's a great it's a great song, though. It's, um, yeah. It's got a cool music video, if you haven't seen it. And the, uh, the like, end or, like, outro riff on it is really cool. This, this album just has great riffs. So pretty much every song on here, I'm going to be like, this song has a cool riff. Yeah. Yeah, they're really riff-heavy, you know? But, like, uh, the, whole, well, the whole band commits to the riff. It's not like the guitarist off doing something else. Like yeah. I said, they 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 lock into a groove and they never really they not saying they shouldn't mess that out, but they it's really tight, you know. Yeah, and um, then we're on to Island. Island, and this is the probably the heaviest song so far in the record because the lyrics that become all of a sudden they're screaming it and growling it. There's no yeah. singing really involved with this. I and used to uh, skip this song because the. Like the opening guitar stuff, like it's like really fuzzy, almost kind of like buzz saw e guitar that has a lot of like harmonics and See, I don't know, I, and I, then like I, the yelling. I wrote down, I wrote, actually wrote down um, um, trebly brutality. Yeah, <laughs> like it was too uh, heavy that? for young Ryan. Oh, it was it was too abrasive. Yeah. Okay. So I actually never, for the longest time, never listened past that part, and then one time I listened to the album all the way through. And it gets to that guitar part, the guitar riff in the second part, and it's like, holy shit, that is cool. It might be one of my favorite riffs off the album. It's fast and, and fucking uh, fucking brutal. Like, this this song, they talk about pagan gods and volcanoes and Iceland. But yeah. I do want to mention something. 
they talk about 1973 volcano, which is the Eldfell volcano, which is the only volcano I think in Iceland that I can actually pronounce. Yeah, um, <laughs> they had one that I, I still don't know how, but I went to I, I went to Iceland and in the song they mentioned Golfus uh, waterfall, mm-hmm. and I went there. Me and Leah, when we went to Iceland, we went to Golfus, and we went in February, and they gave us these um these things to strap on your feet so you don't slip. It's like basically so you're stepping in the ice. Oh, so like, yeah, it was it was probably the coldest that I've ever been. Is oh, walking wow. up the stairs in the uh, shadow of that Golfus uh, uh, waterfall. It's gorgeous, but it was um it just brings out memories of getting to that gift shop and just trying to chill, like trying to warm up. You know? You're right. <laughs> actually, I'm sorry. The coldest I've ever been was actually in Kansas City when I went to go see uh, Tom Segura outside the comedy club. It was running to get outside and they weren't letting anyone yet. But the second coldest I've ever been was in Iceland uh, at the Golfus, uh, Golfus um, waterfall. And that's me just humble bragging that I've been to Iceland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're making a connection with the music. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, actually, I, I really like this song. Um, I actually I actually gravitated for the reason you originally didn't like it, mm-hmm. which is Traveling Brutality. That's why I immediately like, connected with it. Um I think like, I'm looking at my amp over here, and I have the bass turned down to like four, and the treble turned up to like seven. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> You're ready for a Mastodon riff. Oh, yeah, I am. But um, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, then we we'll kick into fast. Iron Tusk. Yeah, I think chunky groovy riff. Yeah, and I love that it's got that kick-ass drum fill right at the beginning. Dude, I do love some of the words in this, like culture vulture. Uh huh. <laughs> I was like, "That's cool." Um, yeah, kick ass. And I love, I love the riff during that part too. Dude, this is. I, it's, I'm it's, just gonna say it for every song, but. <laughs> riff killer. <laughs> I could probably do and, that whole album. And every, everything they palm you or chunky, they definitely be. They definitely like let it air air out during the chorus. They'll they'll do some. You know, it's fucking yeah, chunky riff on this one. Yeah. Um. Talking about old, yeah, I can't read, read my writing sometimes. All right. Yeah, talking about a harpoon, that's what an iron touch oh, yeah. is. You know, I didn't put that together <laughs> until just now. When I, I was I was two years old when I thought about that. Right. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we get to Megalodon, dude. Uh, yeah, which I originally wrote was my favorite song on the album. And then we got to a later song and I was like, ah, oh, you know what? <laughs> Megalodon's my second favorite song on the album. So this song is about the Megalodon. You know, the extinct shark, uh, dino shark. Big ass um, shark. To me, like, when I heard it, I wrote that most unconventional song structure. Um, but not, I guess it's not that unconventional, right? It's kind of in just like two parts, I think. Where, But it does like, it has that opening bit and then it just shifts to uh, maybe three parts. It shifts, but it's like it almost like it never revisits riffs from earlier, which okay. is pretty unconventional. It's just kind of, it's like an ABC structure. So this is a song I'd show friends when they weren't sure about Mastodon, okay? Yeah. Because uh, they'd get to that first part, and then they did a little southern little bit, and then they I get fu- into... Dude, I love dude. that so much, that little country twang guitar as a solo. And then, and then it gets into it, gets yeah. fucking into it. And and you, everyone I saw that, I sh- I'm like, okay, you don't know who Mastodon are? I'm going to show you this song, Megalodon. And we get to that point, everyone would just fucking just like... Like shit, there's like yes, this is what I want to hear because it's yeah, so fucking awesome. Yeah, and the drums awesome. are super good. I love because he switches back and forth between like the hi hat and he does some really cool like bell ride stuff, and you're just like, 
Yeah, it all works so good. There, there's a lot of times when uh, when I'd be in my car and I want to hear something that would sort of pump me up, and I put on Megadon because that oh, yeah. that that switch off from the country train with into the strip metal part is is iconic in my mind. It's it's I you know whenever I think of it's it's so satisfying, especially but yeah, yeah, you know. And somehow through this album, um, they kind of make things that I feel like in any other scenario would sound like kind of cheesy and dumb but this song says the fiji mermaid she will let it know and you're just kind of like how does that work in like somehow <laughs> you say it and i'm just like hell yeah dude the fuck the fiji mermaid all right so um trying to decipher it a little bit the fiji mermaid obviously was like um like supposed to bring men into the sea so the megalodon could come feast on these uh on these men that come out to the fiji mermaid Actually, said, actually wrote, wrote down, Fiji Mermaid, come feed my sweets. <laughs> so like, um, but they're they're crunchier than this. It's um, it's iconic. I think I think I think if anyone were to pinpoint any part of a Mastodon record, at least this one, they're gonna talk about a Megalodon big time. Oh yeah, to me, it's it's a it's the one that all my friends growing up would know. It's the one that I thought of immediately when you said Leviathan. Mm-hmm. So, so Megalodon's a great song, but it's great, and it's kind of like it's definitely almost by this point like their really kind of their first introduction to like, all right, check it out. We're we're a proggy group. We got a little prog in us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did look at the Wikipedia on this, and it says you know it has metal and it mentions progressive. Metal. I'm like, oh, there's that's where Ryan comes in. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh. You want to move on to Naked Burn? I think so. I like it. Um, this one's another one that kind of has uh, a little bit of melody to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that like pre-chorus hook. Oh yeah, is real save strong. yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's why I heard the. That's why I heard the. Um, the re- I don't want to say retro. It's a warm thing to say, but earlier metal like influences is yeah. when I heard it in that in that pre-chorus. So, uh, you know, probably uh, even Metallica, maybe even a little bit. I can um, see that. Yeah, but um, that pre-chorus, pre-chorus hook definitely is the one that, you know, I can sing along with that, I think. Yeah, it's so good. And this one, uh, I picked it up because I was listening to it on headphones. It pulls a little sneaky on you. Between oh, the uh, the pre-chorus and the chorus, there's some hidden acoustic guitar in there. Oh, is there? Yep, and okay. it's like, it's barely audible. It's not like chords or anything. It's playing the, the little, uh, it's playing the riff along with the other guitar. But it just adds this like nice little timbre to it, and it sounds really cool. And this this one is more also about like the the seduction of the sea, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like to me, and this song is about is about men are drawn to this, and they go there, and they're gonna get fucking brutal and crazy. Um, it, it has a really kick ass line in it about uh, the church is burning from the inside out. Oh yeah, oh, it's just, yeah oh, nice. I just think I th- I think Mandy and Midsummer when they shit shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, it's hard for me not to, to time music things, guys. Sorry, um, but uh, yeah, man, uh, we have a really good run when it goes to the first uh, seven seven tracks for sure. Yeah, um, and also Naked Burn, I feel like is one of those ones that's kind of maybe it's underrated. It kind of sneaks in under the radar. Like when I talk about this album with other people, I feel like everybody talks about every other song but Naked Burn. But here, Naked Burn here, kicks ass. Here's here's what I think a lot of people don't like, and this is 
This is just me speaking. I don't know. So when I hear a song mentioning anything burning, when you hear a song mentioning anything about like a headache or like a stomachache, I automatically don't want to hear that song. Oh, really? Because <laughs> like, it gives me the feeling of being sunburned, using the feeling of a headache or being like nauseous or nauseated rather. <laughs> and like, for example, there's a song that I should like by Tokyo Police Club. And um, they mentioned the song, like the, the hook has the mention is like about a woman with a headache. And I'm like, well, I don't want to hear the song anymore because I'm just thinking about me having a headache. Oh, I hate I headaches. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck headaches and fuck everything. But um, Hey, man, that's a controversial like, opinion. Everyone loves headaches. Yeah. Do you want to move into Aqua Dementia that features Scott Kelly of Neurosis? The- Chris, <laughs> I'm the fun fact man. Sorry, sorry. Uh, my brother, when I mentioned that I was doing a Viathan, uh, he he. That's immediately the first thing he told me. Bro, like, you know, you know, I'm gonna be talking about neurosis. They are showing yeah. up at some point. Yeah, I fucking uh, love neurosis. Angry incubus. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> no, dude, uh, I have I have utmost respect for neurosis, but I'm sorry I took this from you. <laughs> rude um so this one actually used to be my favorite song on the album which is was weird it... because i used to not like island but this one is i would say maybe like the second like heaviest song okay um do you do you do you like it more because of scott kelly i really like the sound of scott kelly's voice um, oh yeah but mostly i liked it was actually i used to not like the back half of this song but i liked the front half um which doesn't have Scott Kelly. Scott Kelly shows up at the halfway point when it slows down. I one of the things I want to I like about the song is it actually it's for the first time it actually um, talks about present day and pollution, mm-hmm. like pretty pretty blatantly. It's talking about you know we're fucking up the world. Also, love some lines like uh, boiling water when the sun you know returns to the water. It says boiling water. I was like, that's you know I never thought about that way. It's a cool metaphor. Yeah, that's um, real cool. Um, so starting from this song, Scott Kelly has appeared on at least one song on every Mastodon album. Now, do you think it's because he likes Mastodon? Do you think Mastodon begged him to be on the record? Both. They're friends. Yeah, okay. okay. There's, if if you want to see something really cool, uh, I think it was Kerrang! did a, like a live mini show with Mastodon and Scott Kelly, and they just performed all the songs Scott Kelly's on. Okay. Do you? It, um... it whips ass. Do you follow any metal publications online? Not really. Like metalsucks.net or or anything like that? Like, I'll read articles when they pop up, but it's like I barely go to websites anymore. Yeah. I mean, I I don't, I don't, my Metal Sucks is one that my brother goes to all the time. Mm -hmm. Mostly because they talk shit on people, but, um, (laughs) yeah, it's, um, it's kind of hard to get, uh, honest opinions about almost anything. You know, like, uh, so the best way to do it, since you and I, we are, premium users of spotify <laughs> we can it's pretty easy for us to check stuff out which i feel i feel grateful and also ungrateful to have you know right back when we we're teenagers or i was a teenager i don't know how you were able to do it but when i was a teenager you had to seek shit out and kind of try really hard to get it you know like oh yeah you had to go several record stores or several places and ask or just pirate it or pirate it and that's what i now do. <laughs> that's what you did yeah so but now uh, you go to spotify and i can listen to any mastodon record anything they put out even like hard to find shit you can find on spotify oh yeah but uh but it okay. works out um yeah. so the like opening guitar riff uh in this it's practically like a solo like it's crazy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um for sure 
But yeah, as I mentioned, Mastodon or not Mastodon, Neurosis is going to show up at some point. I don't which I don't know for which category. Um, okay. But I've got like two or three of their albums that I really really like. So you'll have be you stuck listening Neurosis? to those. Have you seen Neurosis live? No. My brother. I wish they, they don't perform that often live. My brother drove to Austin to see them, and uh, he didn't tell my dad who was there. My dad lives in Austin, so oh, he just really? went there. Yeah, he went that, went down there, saw Neurosis, and came home. <laughs> um, he was in Texas, so it's not that crazy that he drove down to Austin. But yeah, uh, but Texas is huge. Texas, dude, Texas is like seven states. Yeah, I I don't miss it right now because it's 110 degrees there. Um, but is all it the dry time. or is it wet there? It's dry, but it doesn't matter, man. Like it's still oppress it's still oppressive heat. Right. Like, when, when someone says oppressive heat, I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to be like, uh, yeah, that's nothing, but it kind of is. <laughs> like like. <laughs> Texas heat is um I don't know why anyone lives there in the summer. Like yeah, I think about people before AC, how the fuck do they think yeah, that's a good place to settle? No, no, I mean, Who knows? Anywhere in the Midwest, honestly, when it comes to the summer, it just fucking sucks, man. Anywhere down the Tornado Alley, it's just fucking lame. But yeah. uh it was So fine. sorry, one last one last thing. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Aqua Dementia. It slows down at the end, and that's where Scott Kelly's singing, and it sounds so much like a neurosis song. It could be a neurosis song, really. It sounds it so neurosis. It's missing, you know, like some keyboards and some other other sounds in there, but it's like part it's like the bones of a neurosis song. Part of the reason I like the lyrics for this one so much is it talks about you know, it talks about destroying everything and then cleaning it. Yeah. God's gonna come clean it. Oh um, you know, but you know. Very neurosis sentiments. Yeah. It's, Do you want to move on? Yeah. Hearts let's Alive. Go on, let's go to Hearts Alive, which is about 30% of the runtime of this record is spent on Hearts Alive. Yeah, it's the it's the big proggy statement of the album. 13 minutes. Yeah, it's 13 minutes, 13 minutes and 39 seconds. It's a 29.81% of the record, because uh, I actually did the math. <laughs> um, because I don't, I didn't think you mentioned that. So I didn't give that away unless you did the math before. I did not do the math. I never do go. the math. <laughs> I, I actually like Hearts Alive. It's a, it's a good, um, it's, it definitely fits the concept part of it. You know, any climax, you know, it's the, it's the climax of the record. Yeah. It's the, yeah. It's great. I love it. Like they, they hit all the like prog rock stops. Like it opens with wind and ocean sounds. Like it really sets the scene with like weird Foley just, and yeah, they, get a, they get a job, good shot, good job of keeping the song interesting. Oh, it's so there good. are lots of post rock bands that by this time you're like, God, this is like the 40th time I've heard this this run. Just get to it, pay off. Yeah, they did a good job. They get and that's one of the things that at this time when Mastodon came out, there are a lot of hardcore bands that were just focused solely on breakdowns. And Mastodon and Dark Star are one of the two bands that don't really have breakdowns, but they still make amazing music. Oh yeah, you know. Um. The opening sounds really epic. Like it, I feel like this one, along with being like progressive, like almost has has hints of like post rock in it. Maybe where it's like it, it like yeah, it builds so. really well. It feels really dramatic. Like with along with like the wind sounds and like the sound of like a boat moving through the water, you get that main kind of intro riff, and it's just like you know what? I feel like I'm on a boat about to go kill a big ass whale. Yeah, and this this sort of gives away the record, the end of the novel, the song. Um, yeah, but it's 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 um it's it's so poetic. It's uh, 
It's also scary if you think about it. if you if you want to get really high and think about this, go ahead and get terrified. You know? Yeah, uh, because it's part of that. Um, I didn't do that, obviously, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm the type of guy that when I watch a movie or listen to a record the first time, mm-hmm. I do it a completely like a completely unchanged state. I'm I'm there. I'm yeah. I'm a, I'm not drunk or anything like that. So uh, well, the same with movies and the same with records. The first time I hear them. I try to be a clear mind, or, or you know, if I'm revisiting after a long time, I try to keep a clean mind, and that was that hard to life. Yeah, man. Unless you know, you thought someone's like, you know what, man? Like, you know, what's the best thing to do is put on record and just smoke, man. I'm not that guy. I'm not that <laughs> guy. So uh, maybe after I've heard it a few times, I, I do like lines, you know, like bucket of lead. You know, it's um, yeah, it's a uh, and there's illusions to hell and and stuff like that. Uh, sort of putting away Ron Swanson's simple book thing is that if you go online and read about movie dick, there's so many like, they're like, you know, illusions and, and themes and, and things, but, uh, symbolism. Yeah. Symbolism. Symbolism. Yeah. But, um, um, this one has some really cool, like bass chords mm-hmm. hidden before, mm-hmm. hidden before the chorus. Like the bass is doing a lot of really cool stuff in this one. It's, it's just a kick-ass song. I know you said Megalodon is the one you'd introduce people to Mastodon with. I think Hearts Alive might be the one for me. Do you me. think someone might be turned up by the 13 to 39 second runtime, though? Well, then they're not going to like Mastodon very much. <laughs> okay, all right. And then we get to the final song named Joseph right, Merrick. Right, but Hearts Alive the, uh, ends the story. Yeah, it does end the story. But uh, Joseph Merrick, I don't, I don't think uh, there's any metal record that is worth its salt if they don't have a song about the Elephant Man. Right. And Mastodon has three. Oh, okay. Is it? Is it? So they do. They the first three albums. The like outro track is named after the Elephant Man. The first one has a song just called Elephant Man. This one is Joseph Merrick, and then on Blood Mountain, it's Pendulous Skin. And uh, are they all instrumental tracks? Yeah, I think there's like some really kind of like affected out singing on pendulous skin but you cannot understand what it's saying and they've not posted the lyrics anywhere so it might just kind of be wordless singing it's, uh, it's but it's a really, it's a real uh, nice pretty... like cool down after the album yes. oh yeah you get this sort of um you get to sort of yeah you get to it's a it's fuck excuse me um it fits on this record it's not like out of place i guess i guess it's not out of place i i, I don't know when movie takes place takes place and i don't know when just America's around, but I don't think I don't think they work. Oh, I mean, they work together with the way they sound, but I don't think it's related to the album. I think the story of Leviathan ended with Hearts Alive, and this is this is an outro track. Yeah, I like it. It's a good, I love nice it. Track. Um, so uh, in your scheme of Mastodon Records, where does this fall? Second favorite. Second, and your first is yeah. still Bloodbound. Oh, I'm sorry, correct this guy. Yeah. Because I think you brought that to my place one time. Correct, this guy. Probably, like, I'll probably make you listen to it again at some point. That's that's fine. It kicks um, ass. Do you want to move on to what I chose? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so um, I chose uh, the Mountain Goats Sunset Tree, um, but uh, let me get a little bit a uh, a little uh, primer on the Mountain Goats. They started in 1991. The only really all you need to know about the Mountain Goats is the lead singer songwriter John Darnell. Um, they started in Claremont, they moved to Durham, North Carolina, because whatever. But the, they, they've been around since 1991. Okay. And their first, and their first, hold on, we count this. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six. Their first six records are recorded on a, uh, I forget, 
on a on a boombox. They couldn't turn mic on there. So <laughs> all the first six songs, all the songs had this had this. Um, I guess I call it charming hum. Uh-huh. Uh, lo-fi. They're lo-fi. If someone says, uh, "Think of a lo-fi band," they're gonna say, "Hey, what about the Mountain Goats?" Um, <laughs> I I uh, got introduced to the Mountain Goats probably on what on thirty four so ten years ago, but I didn't become a big fan until maybe six years ago. Um, that there, there's something so honest about the lyrics that JD writes. I'm gonna call it John Daniel JD for now on because that's how I think of him. Um, you're a big Scrubs fan. A big question, but uh, JD, uh, John O'Neill. Um, um, <laughs> the reason why I chose him for literary influence is because he's written three books. Right? Okay. So, the first, first book he wrote was The 33 and the Third about Masters of Illusion by Black Sabbath. Oh, cool. Uh, first things I should mention is that uh, JD is a big fan of death metal. Huge fan. Nice. Huge fan of death metal. Um, but he, the, the 33 and Third, he wrote a book about um, Masters of Illusion by Black Sabbath. It's not Do you have really any of those about, books? I have one. Me one, too. About Fugazi, one about Fugazi on the Kill Taker. And oh, I have one about Ween's Chocolate and Cheese. I also own another one about um, Neutral Milk Hotels in the Airplane Over Sea, which was a backup for this record. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because that's based on like Anne Frank. And I, and I also, well, I think actually was one I thought of too before you chose it. And then um, I also thought of th- this thing that makes me sound like a complete like, like emo nerd, but there's this man called Gatsby's American Dream. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a song. They did a record called Volcano, and I think like two, at least two of the tracks, like Fable, is about or the flies. Speaker for the dead is that basically that you know it's um what's that uh, the Ender's the, Game sequel, right? Yeah, yeah. Orson Scott Card, um, Ender's Game sequel, which we're not gonna talk about Orson Scott Card because he is a bigot. But moving on, hey, it's back yeah, to the mountain. He is. <laughs> yeah. So it's J.K. Uh, Rowling. Yeah, what the fuck is up, man? Like, for example, I mentioned I was talking to someone about Orson Scott Card. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm sure that he writes great books. I'm sure they're great. But uh, there are plenty of sci-fi authors I can write that aren't open bigots. You listen to, yeah. you know. And someone goes, yeah, it's really good. I'm like, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's awesome. But I'm not going to read it. I mean, anyway, there are so many people who have written that kind of hero's journey, prodigal son bullshit book that yeah. you can find that's not a bigot. Like Doom. Dune's a great book. Have you read Dune? Uh, I've read the first hundred pages of Dune. <laughs> okay, good enough. Honestly, um, it's I'll get there. Long. I always pick it up like right at the tail end of like my. So I go through phases when I'm reading, where it's like there'd be a solid like three months where it's like I'm reading like two books a week, and, and then, then I won't read really. for like a year. Yeah, I'm the same way, dude. Like there was a year I read like 15 books in six months, and then I I don't think I've read I've read only a few things since then. You know? Yeah. What I I, re- I finished a book yesterday, and I started another one yesterday, so I'm kind of in it now. But yeah, Dune always falls, like, right at the end of it. So I read, like, 100 pages and, like, get busy with something or do something else, and then it's like, oh, well, <laughs> I tried. And that's happened, like, three or four times now. Okay. Back to Mountain Goats. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so, uh, no, no problem. So uh, he wrote three books, uh, like I said, 33 and 3rd by on uh, Master of Illusion, which is not actually a book on it. It's more of a story about a guy, kid who goes to a mental institution because it takes that album too seriously. So it's not even gotcha. a book about. Uh, then he wrote a book called Wolf and White Van, which was nominated for the National Book Award um, in 2014. I, I remember reading that on a plane flight to Seattle, the whole thing. And uh, I would recommend it highly. Awesome. Um, Maybe I'll check it out. And then The 33 uh, wrote, and a third one sounds awful, though, so I probably won't read that. 
You don't have to, man. Because the <laughs> reason, well, the reason I like 33 to third, or at least what I had hoped it would be, like, I like the kind of open idea, do what you want, but the ween one is literally, like, it's almost like what we do. Oh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, it's like the first part is, like, here's the history of the band. Here's the history of the album. Now let's break it down by individual songs, and I'm going to drop fun facts in. Okay. And it's well, great. Yeah, so but... I have, like, a super deep understanding of chocolate and cheese now. And now, and you're like, but I wanted to learn about Masters of Illusion, and this doesn't tell me about it. Yeah. Um, I haven't read it, so, I mean, I can't tell you exactly, but that's that's my understanding of that. Mm-hmm. I think they sell it at Mills. Um, also, uh, when he was the Mountain Goats, uh, he also wrote a book, the most recent book, is called Universal Harvester. It was marketed as a horror book, but it's not really. But it's, okay. I mean, but he's he's a writer, and I think that's uh, evident. Oh, for sure. For the Sunset Tree. Um, I uh, by the way, I want to mention the, the exact thing he uses to record is a Panasonic a Panasonic RX FT five hundred cassette deck boombox, <laughs> which is what causes the uh, quote unquote charming hum hum. And, okay. Uh, all and by the way, probably my favorite Mount Ghost record, one of them at least, is All Hail West Texas. Um, I have that on vinyl. Um, next time I get to see you, whenever that may be, uh-huh. uh, I'm going to either force you to listen to it or it'll show up in here in one of the episodes. Um, but let's, let's get, uh, either way, I'm going to listen to it. Oh uh, yeah. Either way. At some, at some point. Um, but, uh, and fun fact for people who are new to the mountain goats, if you guys want to hear something he did nor just recently with the boombox, he did his most recent record songs for a period Chuvin, which came out during pandemic to give his bandmates some money during this time when oh, all okay. this shit yeah and uh he he thought he couldn't do it anymore because the boombox stopped working but he found out if he puts it on its side <laughs> he can still record it that's um, great and I, i've been listening to that record a lot but um the most personal record the mountain goats have released is the sunset tree mm-hmm. um it's probably the most popular next to tallahassee which has a a single on it but um uh uh, you know what? We'll get into it when we uh, talk about it after. But this, if you guys have, it's on Spotify. So go to Spotify, uh, look at Mountain Goats, and listen to the Sunset Stream. We'll be back in ten seconds. And right, that was, we're uh, back. Yeah, we're back. That was Mountain Goats Sunset Tree. Now, listen. I want to ask you a question before we Got get into be. it. Uh, I what? Now I know that you're pretty open to anything I give you. Yeah. Um, this is definitely indie folk and, uh, Oh yeah. I mean, literally the first thing that popped into my head on the first song was like, well, this is a Chris album. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you guys don't know, I, uh, I love folk music. Um, mostly like contemporary folk music. And I don't want to say like, like Sarah McLaughlin, but like, like Bob Dylan is a hero of mine. And the reason I got into Bob Dylan was his folk music because there's something I find so easy about playing folk is that all you need is that that one instrument just the guitar and you have a song fleshed out mm-hmm. but we'll go to the mountain goats uh which i have an embarrassing thing to admit about the mountain goats and it still okay. continues to happen okay i get them confused with mount erie every single time <laughs> or the microphones it's it's the same band mount erie or the microphones but i literally get them confused every time so when people are like Hey, Mountain Goats wrote a whole album about like being goth or like wrestling, and I'm like, the fucking Mount Erie people. <laughs> I, I need to mention something. So remember when we did that record different from the rest? Yeah. I think a couple episodes ago. So I, looking back on it now, I should have chosen the Mountain Goats record because 
Mountain Goats were a record called Goths about 80s goth people. Mm-hmm. And it was the only, and JD got a wild hair up to his ass and decided that there's going to be no guitar in that record, just all piano and bass and drums. Oh, damn. Like they, he didn't use any, uh, I mean, one count bass guitar that was there, but uh, no guitar itself. Um, but this record has lots of guitar. Um, uh, so I did finally get a beer. I got a Honey Blonde Ale by Boulevard. Uh, you motherfucker. I'm still drinking, you know, low carb shit. So, yeah. like I said, I got, I got the Corona I'm drinking. A Corona Premier, 2.6 carbs, 90 calories. And one day, how is, how is the Honey Blonde Ale? It's very honey-y. So if you kind of like that, it, it's almost mead-like. Right. I like mead, um, but it does kind of have like the honey funk. You kind of forget how funky honey is, but so here's the thing: is uh, I have a friend. He called the. He, he's actually a friend of the of of Moosey on Suck, and maybe this one. Uh, it does a. He runs a podcast called The Meat House. He's in it, and every time I go to his place, he offers me mead because he makes mead and mead, mead is meant the to be parents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mead the parents. Uh, mead Jeff, the fuckers. I could do this yeah. all day. You could. Uh, I've got but, nipples, uh, Greg. Can you milk mead? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he makes it, this is mead. Um, he makes it. Um, he he's this thing he does, and you know, mead's meant to be drinking room temperature, and uh, it yeah, and it's high in alcohol content. He gave me a bottle of mead for my birthday once, and I th- he had a beer bottle, but I just opened up and just drank it, and I got super fucked up. But um. Every time I go there, he uh, he offers me. He made this lavender uh, one uh, that I tasted on July fourth. We went over there and we did social distancing fireworks thing. He gave us some mead, and the mead was fucking delicious. But anyway, moving on. Uh, Sunset Tree, Mountain Goats. Um, it's their second record they used with a full actual studio arrangement recording. Okay. Um, and uh, it's it's his most personal record. It's probably the only record that he's written that's that's about what his um. Growing up, and I chose. It is super with, personal. Like I was listening to it and being like, Damn, "It really doesn't get much more personal than this." So, if you guys want to hear about John Darnielle's uh, childhood, he uh, was abused growing up um, by his stepfather. Um, you can hear that all about it, which is, I mean, it's a weird way to put it all about it. But you can hear hear about it on the, uh, Mark Maron's podcast. He was on WTF with Mark okay. Maron and. Uh, I mean, you can hear a lot it about by it. listening to the album. Yeah. Um, but let's let's get into it real quick. We'll, yeah. we'll go for some of my song. So the first song is called You and Your Memory. Um, it's it's a it's a soft little number. Um, it's guitar, bass, a twinkling, uh, but piano. But like I said, the start of this record are the lyrics. All yeah, for sure. Um, Which, this for me, um, yeah. not being a big folk fan... Or at least mm-hmm. new to the new to the genre, uh, his voice does take a little bit of getting used to. Yeah, um, it's, it's pretty nasally. <laughs> but it it really didn't take long, and I I got more into it basically by the second song. But yeah, as the first song kicked off, I was just like, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Th- so this song is about contemplating suicide. Basically, he talks about checking into a um, hotel room either before or after on Bender, <laughs> and um, yeah, checking into a hotel room. And basically, just sort of like looking back on his life and what the fuck is he gonna do? Um, I remember I was singing the song myself. The chorus goes, "St. Joseph's Bay Aspirin Bartles and James, my brother." Like that's not a real thing. I'm like, "What are we talking about? This is this is from a song." I actually had to show him the song to prove that this these lyrics existed. Um, uh-huh. But uh, 
he has a very poetic thing about himself, and uh, I know I know he also listens to a lot of he reads a lot of poetry, whether it be Polish poetry. That was his thing for for a little bit. But um, what did you think of this song? Uh, I thought it was really interesting. Like, it really does a good job of kind of setting the theme and the tone of the album. And uh, overall, I really liked how a lot of the stuff was kind of told out of order. Like, mm-hmm. so you get mm-hmm. this kind of... You get, like, this vibe throughout the whole album, but it's not really told, like, chronologically. It's just different points in his life, different events happening, that it's all kind of, like, permeating through. I really love the imagery in this. It's really humanizing. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, like, talking about, you know, Black Tari also is often hot, uh, sort of, like, walking to the corner store. Uh, but, yeah, this this song, it does set... Gives you the idea of where he's... Sort of where JD is in in this headspace. Yeah, and it, and it makes, does it does kind of like it almost like sets the scene like you can imagine yourself that this album is being performed or these like because it being sporadic makes it kind of come up like like memories like he's thinking about stuff and it's almost like he's sitting you're with him in this hotel room kind of remembering this shit. Yeah, and yeah, the, like like I said, the imagery is it puts you there. You know, yeah, you can imagine yourself in this, in his uh, place in this. Yeah, Which so it feels pretty, like throughout the album you're just in the hotel room too. Yeah, like you're we'll you're there thinking to, about this shit. We move on to broom people. Broom people, um, right? This one sort of it sort of sets the scene even more. It talks about what his home was like. Um, yeah, this is the setting for the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it talks about junk everywhere. Thirty six thousand in the garage. Uh, dishes in the sink, new straw for the old room. But what yep. the song or two really foot about, high with newspapers. Yeah, yeah. But the song's really about is um is you have this setting, but what's underneath it all? Mm-hmm. You know, like like uh you know all these people. It says you know friends you don't have a clue. Well, many teachers like you don't. It talks about how how it's hard to talk to other people about what's going on, and maybe you don't want them to know. Yeah, because, exactly. Um, I I really love the lines like um, like a but down your arms I'm a wild creature, you know like sort of thinking about two ways of that. So for one, you can talk about comforting arms, you know like sort of like uh, you know you're trying to you're going crazy, but these arms help you, or you know oppressive arms where you're trying to claw your way out. Yeah. But the last chorus there it says uh, but the long tresses of your hair I'm a babbling brook. That that metaphor to me is it means a lot. And uh, it means a lot to a lot of people, but to me, it actually, like this record, I, I I can't imagine the abuse that JD's been through growing up. But to it me, this record, awful. yeah, it sounds awful. But to this record, yeah, it's a it's a big deal to me. It yeah. means a lot to me. And uh, you know, like like Elliot Smith or other artists, this is one of the artists that <laughs> that I don't. Wanna, this doesn't sound like over dramatic, but. Help me live. I guess the best way to put it, like they meant a lot to me, and um, I, yeah, I can't, I can't thank JD enough for doing music, and much less this one. Right. I really like so, the line in this song that's like, uh, "I write down good reasons to freeze to death." Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um. I also really like the bass sound in this song. Oh yeah, the bass sounds pretty. It's pretty heavy in a lot of songs. It, it's just kind of like bopping along in the background while stuff's happening. Um. Then we move on to this year and. You'll see this line a lot on uh, any sort of music website where it says, uh, I'm going to make it through this year if it kills me. I've seen that on church billboard signs, but the course for this year is I'm going to make it through this year if it kills me. 
Yeah, great is, anthem for this year. Yeah, great. Yeah, perfect for 2020. <laughs> uh, but this song just uh, basically it just talks about Saturday in the life of young JD. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. he talks about you know uh, breaking free on a Saturday morning. He takes his father's car and he goes out and hangs out with a uh, another little addict named Kathy. Um, he's 17 in, in this, and he, it's just basically talking about his day, uh, Saturday, in Claremont, California, where he grew up. Yeah, it it looks it looks towards the future quite a bit, like one year. It's kind of like a countdown because he's 17 in the song, so he can move out when he's 18. Like he's a year away from getting the hell out of there. Yeah, and um, I I this song is it's got it's a it's a upbeat little number. It's it's got it's got a it's got a music video attached to it, but this song is a lot of people use this song as a sort of a sort of anthem, a sort of like like if they're having a hard time, they're gonna use this song to to let them know that there's something after this that yeah. they're gonna make it through this year. Um, but it's it's a happy little number. It's uh it's got it's got starts out with piano and then a like a polka beat almost. But should have brought some accordion in. Yeah, I know. But then we bring it to to dialogue, dude, which is basically the whole song's just a cello loop. Yeah, it's cool. They added some strings to the mix took the guitar and the actual, out it's actual first time that it has an actual literary reference um and uh, if i can find it really quick yeah so they there's a line that says we are full score four three score and ten won't pass away again it's actually a reference to a houseman it's a poem uh a shropshire lad where he where they use that term uh now of my three score years and ten which uh-huh. yeah i'm i can't imagine that that was something else but yeah he uh JD did confirm that on Twitter, apparently. Oh, cool. very nice. Yeah, but this song Trying is Trying to figure cool. out how long's a score. Is it two years? Hold on, Four years? How long is... I think it's two. I mean, you think it's, you think a score of years is two? Maybe. How long is a score? 20. 20. Score is 20 a 20? Yeah. So 70 years, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so he's saying if we get a full three score in 10, so he's saying if you get 80 years old... You will never see this thing to happen in the song. Uh, this song is, it's cool. Um, he his voice gets definitely uh, great at the end. He's yeah. not a great singer, but he does have some have some uh, emotion in this song. Exactly, it, it, he's got emotion behind it. Like it's not he's not technically a good singer. Yeah, I guess like I wouldn't like, be like, hey, listen to the singing on this album. But like the emotions there, and it matches the music. He's not a lazy this, singer. Yeah. And this song's about uh, being addicted to opiates. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, JD, growing up, uh, he was addicted to heroin. And um, I, listening to a podcast he was in, he talked about driving around smoking rock. And I'm like, Jesus, fuck. Like, like smoking rock, okay. Um, you wouldn't think that about listening to the music that JD yeah. makes. But, but he, uh, he's a, what, he was a wild man. Uh, moving on to the next song, Dance Music. Also yeah, which is kind of like a happy-sounding song for some yeah. dark-ass... I mean, the whole album has some really dark lyrics, but... Yeah, like, for example, uh, I'm, with, I'm in the living room watching the Warrior Gate here, and so my stepfather yells at my mother, launches a glass across the room straight ahead, and I dash upstairs to cover. So it's about, basically, his, his stepdad being an abusive asshole. Yeah, um, and then kind of escaping from or drowning out the abuse by going upstairs and listening to his stereo, which comes yeah, back... Comes back later. Oh yeah, and uh, probably probably the most affecting songs in the record. But mm-hmm. verse four he talks about uh, 
basically he says um uh he talks about the, but then the special secret sixteen starts to eat through you. He's talking about being addicted to drugs with his girlfriend Kathy. Yeah. I only recently put that together, but um. So th- this this song is it's dark, um, but it does have some some light moments. You know, like I maybe even not that, but it's, it's a, it it sounds like a happy song. Yeah, I know. Like words. you're not listening to the lyrics, you're kind of like, oh yeah, little, little yeah. jaunty tune. Yeah, yeah, a little jaunty tune. But uh, I do know that uh, Kimmy Austin, one of the pedals she has, mm-hmm. actually reads, uh, and uh, there's only one place this story ever ends up, and I don't want to die alone. She actually shifted to herself in a mailbox because she didn't want to put in, bring in a few customs when she, when she was touring. Because <laughs> then when people would be like, look at this pedal, and be like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll move on to dance music to the, final, the other track, Dino Upati's Bones. If you guys don't know who Dino Upati is, he is a. Uh, is a um, composer, a Romanian composer. I don't know what this has to do with the song at all. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, but it's this a, one... It's a very very soft song. Right? Yeah, this one has kind of some interesting production on it, which makes me think, like, was this one recorded on a tape recorder or meant to, meant to emulate it? Because it kind of has, like, an amp buzz or some sort of buzz or yeah. hum, and it, he Whispered. sounds really close to the mic. Yeah, it's whispered lyrics, basically. Mm-hmm. Whispered um, electric guitar. It's a fucked up love song, the best I can tell. And um, and, and this song is like, try as much as you can, but you can't be... Like, try as much as you can to save your relationship, but it can't be saved. If you're trying to build it with some old fuck's bones, obviously yeah. this, this structure won't help. And it, it, it's the... I guess it's the most obtuse song on the record, right? Like, when it comes to... Like, he's it, not trying to get too personal with this one. It's... You can use it, um, but I, I do like this song. It's not my favorite song on the record by a, by a long shot, but it's a good one. Yeah, and then, I like it. It just has a really unique sound from the rest of the record. But I oh yeah, I, I guess just like with the production of it, yeah, that I really yeah. liked. There's another well, song that like completely stands out production wise, but this one. When you mentioned earlier the the charming hum, that's what I wrote on this one. Just like it has a charming hum. I think this is the one. <laughs> so uh, moving on to the next one, "Up the Wolves," which was on the episode of uh, Walking Dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember watching one of them. Like that's that's fucking Mountain Goats. I know. He never one. mentioned, huh? Yeah, you're just like I know that one. Yeah, yeah, I know this one. I'm like, and uh, a lot of people got in the Mountain Goats through this song. Um, this song also. Uh, Means a lot to me in a way that's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna get into, but uh, but it's the only literary reference to this song is a uh, Romulus and Remus when it comes to uh, the uh, the Greek the Greek reference or um, when it comes to, is that Greek or Roman? I, Rome. Oh, you're Roman. Roman. That's so, what's uh, named after Romulus. Romulus. Yeah, Romulus. Gotcha. Um, so uh, this the song is basically about about moving through something and not being able to quite let it go, but finding a way to deal with it yourself. Yeah. Um, well, isn't this one kind of like about the death of the stepdad, but like I was, I looked up a quote for it. Um, okay. That was he JD. We'll call him cause we're friends now. Um, yeah. He said, it's like kind of a revenge song, but not quite. Not quite. Uh, yeah. He talks about killing people and judges and, uh, but the, the chorus is, our mother has been absent ever since we founded Rome. Uh, and 
that's really almost a pointed accusation of his mother not helping him. Yeah. With the shitty person she was married to. Um, also, one of the things about JD is I want to mention this. I was going to mention it later, but you brought it up. So he wanted to tell people that when his stepfather died, he wanted to talk about the profound relief and joy he felt from it. Mm-hmm. Like, even though he was well the house by then and, you know, doing records like this, when his stepfather died, he felt so happy. Yeah, that's because that little bit of revenge, like, just, yeah. like, he's getting his. Yeah, and um, so uh, Up the Wolves, great song. Uh, I don't really want to ruin it for anyone. There's some great lines in here. Yeah. Um, and you can you can hear the emotion in his voice when he's singing it uh, with a lot of songs. Um, moving on to Lion's Teeth, which w- goes to go again with um, the revenge fantasy. Oh, that, yeah, uh, for sure. They both uh, play into each other. Yeah. The king of the, like, he talks about basically seeing his father drunk asleep in his car and basically fucking with, fucking him up. Um, yeah. Standing up to him. And this one's kind of a, this one's like a rockin' song. Yeah, it's a rockin' song. It, yeah, it's one that definitely has, you can hear distortion on the guitar in this one. And yeah. it's a, uh, it's a good song. It's a, uh, you can nod your head to it if you want to. This um, one's my fave. And it's not just because it's a, a rocker, but it, it's got, a really strong sense of drama uh-huh. like it, it it builds up and it's got these like string parts that come in at dramatic moments um and it does this little line shift i love he part of like a refrain or like a, a hook or something that's in there he keeps saying like i hold on and then at the end like the last couple of lines are we hold on and it's like oh, yeah. oh right oh you love that i forget you love that stuff when they change just a little bit and they, like you change it a little bit to the song yeah because there's something so cool and maybe it's just my like minimalist attitude about things, especially about like writing and stuff. It's like, you can change something so small and sm- so insignificant that adds just so many layers of meaning to something. Yeah. It, it's, That's, it's cool. Th- so that was lion's tooth, right? Um, so lion's teeth, hold on. How the fuck do I know? Lion's teeth. Lion's teeth. So, um, I want to mention something for you in this next one. I mentioned earlier in the show. So we were talking about how fans will fuck up quiet songs played by artists. Uh huh. So I went and saw the Mountain Goats, uh, Dallas, probably right before I moved in. They did a song called Heel Turn 2 off uh, Beat the Champ, which is a wrestling themed record. And Heel Turn 2, one, uh, when I say themes, it sounds like the songs are strictly about wrestling, but like any good writer, he makes themes universal, you know? But uh, he'll turn to the end. There's probably this four minute sort of twinkling piano parts has chords that are, I don't even know why he's, it lasts along at the end. And um, it was quiet. You know, there are science moments of silence and moments of things, but everyone in the audience, I was so impressed. Everyone in the audience was silent and hang on every note that was played. And I was like, I was like, I was like, this is perfect. Like I was, I was totally enraptured by the respect the audience had for the artist, and I'd never seen that anywhere else. So, <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to probably one of the most uncomfortable songs record, but the one that hit me the hardest the first time I heard it, mm-hmm. called Hast Thou Considered the Tetrapod. It's pretty simple. Uh, two, three chords near the whole record. There's some bass, sparse drums, and uh, organ at the end. Um, and the song, it's a basically uh, a story of... Well, JD would tell you it's a song about how important music is to him. Uh-huh. But the song itself is just, it's its a horrifying story about basically his father being drunk and beating him. Yeah, because um, he woke him home. up. Yeah. 
And then um, his his fear isn't that he's going to be physically harmed. It's that his stepdad's going to break his stereo, which is... Yeah. It seems like, because he's mentioned it twice, is really his only escape from it. Yeah. Beyond and, getting high with his girlfriend. <laughs> and uh, this song, man, like... Uh, I remember I was listening to it with uh, my girl for the time. And she said this song's so fucking sad, you know? And it is. It's a sad song. Yeah, but sad album. End, it's that album, but at the end of the song, it basically talks about he's, he's he says the term "I'm gonna wriggle up on dry land," which is the tetrapod. It's the first um, it's the first uh, animal that went from land to sea. Or sea yep, to land. I looked it up. Yeah, and so uh, you know, like he he has these horrible things in this record, but he also has these little hints of hope all throughout it. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, and I I I really I really enjoyed um that throughout this whole record. It and for anyone who uh, has been abused growing up, um, trigger warning on this record. But it, I, I really love this record. Um, it's so achingly personal. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine uh, being so open like this. I know, um, seriously. But it's, it's really good. Um, we'll move on to Magpie. Magpie, which uh, I, uh, I think is my second favorite song on here. If you're gonna look uh, deeply, like on the on the surface, Magpie's stepfather in this, right? Like he steals things from you, he he takes things from you. Magpie's a cool song. Uh, also, I, I want to say a little jaunty. There's drums in this, and it's a piano and guitar and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. A little bit of like mandolin or something. Yeah, mandolin. Yeah, something, yeah, something kind of something really high pitched and cute. <laughs> <laughs> Magpie. Uh, you know, it's it's about his death, almost almost for sure. Right? Oh yeah, and yeah. I just think it's really interesting that he keeps kind of portraying his stepfather as different animals he's got like the lion he's got the magpie it's just these different different facets of his personality and how how he sees him mm-hmm. we can move on song for dennis brown if you guys yeah know dennis, yeah uh you guys know dennis brown he's a reggae musician and i think what what jd was doing when he did this song is saying that you know uh when people die the world still goes on yeah and, and he's saying that you know uh this song just goes through Dennis Brown, goes through other people, and it just talks about, you know, when I die, uh, you know, either my habits will catch up and it's not going to be uh, notable. <coughs> or it's yeah. Go on. And I think it's and, an interesting comparison between him and Dennis Brown just for, because they've, Mountain Goats and uh, JD have just done so many albums. Like, he's super prolific. Yeah, this is similar the ninth to, record. Uh, yeah, similar to JD or similar yeah. to Dennis Brown, who yeah. uh, I was reading up about him. He had like seventy-five albums by the time the he f- died. How the fuck do you do that, man? That's exactly so much. just being like prolific and constantly doing music and stuff like that. And it's like it doesn't like, well, matter how much you produce, the world's still gonna go on. Yeah, it's fifty-two, and he did seventy-five records. Yeah, imagine that. All right, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, song for Dennis Brown so it's kind of soft little uh, acoustic song and. Yeah, like, like when it comes to most Mountain Goat songs, the, this while the music's fine, the lyrics are where it's at. Yeah. Um, and then we then kind we of to, we get into kind of like the last two, which I think go go together really well. So there's a song called "Love, Love, Love." Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has three literary references in it. Uh, one's uh, two of them are in the Bible, King Saul, and uh, and uh, when he says, "As as I see things through mirror dimly." Mm-hmm. And then he talks about uh, he gets a deep pool, I guess, when it comes to literature. When he talks about Rash Kalnikov from Crime and Punishment, 
And I can easily say this song made me read, made me read Crime Punishment. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. It um, influenced you to read literature. Yeah. yeah. There we go. The theme. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love the song. Literally. Like, like, I know. I know. Love, love, love. But yeah. this song is probably my favorite song on the record. It's got such an interesting idea to it. I, I read a... There's a, a quote popped up next to the, the lyrics through uh, Genius as I was reading it. And it was, he's, uh, he said something along the lines of, like, this romantic idea of love has kind of ruined it, I guess. Um, and so he's just kind of talking, like, all the all the references to things that happened in this, he's like, these were terrible things that were done for love. And he's kind of like, like, I'm pretty sure my stepdad loved us, but, like, he did these horrible things because, presumably, because he thought he was doing right by them. So the interesting thing when he was talking to Mark Marin, because Mark Marin is known for getting deep. Uh-huh. Uh, Mark Marin, Mark Marin asked JD Strip if he, he, he figures his stepdad, stepdad, and he says no, and there was like a three beat when he said no. So uh, it's something he never forgets his forgets his stepdad for doing what he did to him, mm-hmm. and um, and the, you know like that's a pretty powerful thing to say because people are like you know I've learned to forgive you, I've learned to love you. But JD's saying no. I don't. I'm, why would I do that? You know, like yeah. And I think that's a pretty interesting thing on this album is like he kind of he kind of maybe toys with the ideas or touches on the ideas of like trying to see it from his perspective and stuff like that. But there's no there's no real like grand redemption arc. There's yeah really nothing like it's played just so realistically. Like there's nothing Hollywood about this album. It's just like hey, this is my real life like this is shit that happened to me and going to inside baseball on this there's a record uh, uh called transcendental UT has a song called never quite free uh-huh which the song references basically like trauma you're going through uh it may be over and you may be past it but you're never quite you never lose that thing you never mm-hmm. lose that pain and i think a lot of this record shows that he never is quite free and i think and if i'm looking at a real like tiny perspective you know uh, the there's one way of looking at it, it's like you, that thing you said that you should have said, and you think back on it. Oh know? yeah, but but uh, when that's when it comes to something as as life altering and horrible as trauma as his childhood, you know, mm-hmm. that's something you never quite free of. You know, no, like uh, not. Uh, there are things that maybe joyful that are happening, but one little thing can bring you back to that place where you were when you're. 16 getting the shit kicked out of you by someone who's supposed to love you exactly um i love the song um i love the references to something listening even i love the references to kirk Cobain. um you know it, it it's a great song and I, I to me it's my favorite song on the record it's got fantastic lyrics it's probably my favorite one lyrically at least just with just like stuff to think about because it's such a it is such just an interesting idea of like uh, hey people interpret love in different ways and yeah these are all different ways they go about uh but terrible things can come from it yep uh we then we get to the final song on the record pale green things um i think it has a last layer reference which is a racing form (laughs) Uh (laughs) but this song is basically a jd spending a day with his with his stepfather yeah, um, which I think he said, like, this was the first memory that popped in his head when his sister called and said, like, oh, hey, he died. Yeah. And he didn't he, he didn't immediately think back on, like, abuse. He thought back on, like, oh, here's kind of this just 
more normal memory I have of him. Yeah, and it's it's interesting song. Um, it's it's and it it's one of those things that you yeah I think you benefit more by by listening to the rest of the record before this track. Yeah, for um, sure. It's a, it's a great final track. It's it's not even it's not even a song about like things he did to him. It's songs about just the memory he has with the stepfather. It, kind of a benign, innocuous memory. Mm-hmm. Um, Which al- also the benign, uh, innocuous memory has some like weird layers to it, where it's like they're going super early in the morning to the racetrack to watch horses, and he has all this like not like insider knowledge, but it's like he's reading the form and all this stuff. It's like, this guy probably also had like a huge gambling problem. Oh yeah. Mo- most definitely. Uh, I-, I do like, he says, he mentions surely after your first heart attack saying basically as soon as he's done getting fucked up by his heart attack, he's back at the racetrack. Yeah. You know, like he's back to doing this thing and he's got JD with him and the and you know, I've done things like gone to a carpet store with my parents and been bored as shit, but like, um, but, uh, the, the first three basically talks about um, his stepfather dying. Yeah, and um, it doesn't mention him being sad, but it's sort of mentioning like like he has this pretty good memory or pretty, I guess, pleasant memory with his stepfather. But he but he knows that it's he it's something he'll never forget. Doesn't mean he can't just move past. You know, lots of people say that you know forget it, and there's things that people say forget it, and I'll never forget it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um. This is, this is uh, the sunset tree. Um, yeah, I, I think said- I think pale green things is such an interesting way to end things because it's like I was saying before, it's so very like un Hollywood about it. Mm-hmm. Like you want this thing to end on like, oh, you saw this shitty hit shit happen earlier, and it's like he finally gets his, he finally tells his stepdad off and gets you know saves everybody and just does something like super heroic. But it's like no, he gets like a phone call at three a.m. and then. Just yeah, thinks about something. Yeah, it's it's um, it's so humanizing. Yeah, it's and so personal and honest. Uh, I I admire that about this record. This record, it's a great record. It's probably when when people talk to JD and they want to talk to him after a show or something. Uh, people want to talk to him. Want to talk to him about this record. Oh, I um, bet. A lot of B survivors have you know have um found solace from this record. I um, bet. I mean, he, this must have been super cathartic for him to make, and it. Yeah. It's honestly probably got to be, maybe not nice to listen to as an abuse survivor, but just something like there's a bit of, uh, you can relate to it, and the fact that you know, like you're not alone in a lot of that stuff, because I I don't think anything in the lyrics here is super like marketable or anything. So this it's kind of an untapped thing that there's just a whole subset of people who don't see themselves represented. What did you think of this record? Oh, overall? I loved it. This was fantastic. Oh, I'm glad. I'm, like, glad it's, I'm glad you liked it, dude. It's not my kind of music generally, um, but I, the lyrics were super solid. Uh, the music matched it perfectly. Like I was, I thought it was great. I'm glad you liked Polar it. Polar opposite of what I picked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure, but <laughs> it was like, great. Like, really, you're doing that. Um, I, when, when it comes to rating, the there are 18. <laughs> studio albums by by um Mount Goat. So I'm still in the top five. Uh top number one is All Hill West Texas. Number two is the Sunset Tree. Number three is probably uh no, I'm sorry. Number two is tied with uh this one is tied with Goths, which came out twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just realizing we both picked our second favorite album from a band. 
That's <laughs> uh, interesting. Um, probably my third favorite could be Beat the Champ or Tallahassee. Fourth favorite being uh, Heretic Pride. Fifth favorite being Elise of Driving. So I've, most of the records I picked that, that people are probably disagree with me are are studio records besides All Hill West Texas, which is his last record uh, recorded on a beatbox before his studio efforts. Gotcha. But, um, but yeah, uh, I want to check out the wrestling one because I, I mean, I have some decent memories with wrestling. Um, another wrestling based album is called Matt Matt Mania by Mega Ran, <laughs> okay. which like we're listening to the Final Fantasy Seven one. He's also done a whole album about wrestling and a lot of like wrestling themes are the backing tracks. It's pretty good. I guess the theme, I guess the the big single off of Beat the Champ by uh, by Magos is uh, called The Legends of Chavo Carrera Jr. Uh-huh. And Chavo Guerrero uh, Senior, sorry, and Chavo Guerrero Junior is actually a, a, a WWE wrestler right now. But uh, yeah, man, I, I definitely, I definitely recommend checking that one out. It's got some really great songs in there. I'll um, check it out. So uh, that was Mountain Good Sunset Tree. Uh, like I went a little inside baseball when it comes to the literary influences. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that neither of us are mad for choosing that one to listen to. Oh no. It's yeah, all okay. it's all about how you interpret it, whatever pops into your head. But that was Sunset Tree and Leviathan, literary theme, literary influence. Uh, and now I th- think it's time to draw a new one. Yeah, all right. I'm gonna get my hat out. I'm going. You I'm got it close by this time. Yeah, prepared. Right to me. Boy Scout over okay. here. Uh, we oh. are gonna do awesome debuts. Awesome so debuts. So best debut record. Best debut record that you have, and that's gonna be easy for me. I got plenty of them. See, it's huh? well. See, that's where my problem is. Um, there are a lot. Like, I think the easy one is like there's one thing I can think of, but now it's mm-hmm. like, oh, awesome debuts. That's like half my fucking record collection. <laughs> <laughs> right, we well, did an yeah. awesome debut last episode. Oh, we did. So. Mm. But yeah, that's what that's I me. Mean, that's what the piece of paper that I pulled from the hat says. Awesome debut. So oh, you gotta dig. You gotta dig again. I gotta dig uh, deep. But yeah, I have a few on mind. Um, the one I already did was Hard uh, Dangers, where all the merrymakers gone. Wait, we didn't do that one. We did King James version. Not since I said that, I think of another one. <laughs> but yeah, awesome debuts. Uh, that's pretty simple. So it's kind of restrictive and simple. We picked their first record of a. Of an artist or band, and we uh, bring it in and say our last this review is awesome. episode was a an awesome debut. <laughs> yeah, but disheveled cuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll but do that. Good stuff. Uh, what? So everyone can expect an awesome debuts episode, hopefully sometime soon after after this guy comes out. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what else do you got going on? I do another podcast called Movies That Don't Suck and Some That Do. This comes out every week on a Sunday or, or a Sunday or Monday, like today, um, and uh, and uh, we just do two new movies a week generally. If I'm going to be out of town or something, we might do like a spotlight on an actor's films or director's films. But generally, two new movies a week. Uh, right now, since we're still uh, under the throes of this Corona COVID-19 thing, uh, we are uh, doing streaming picks, and these are all new stream picks. So. Uh, we come out every Sunday and Monday, and you can find movies that don't suck and some that do uh, anywhere you find record, wherever, where. That's podcast. So yeah. And you got anything going on, pal? Besides, uh, nothing. Nothing really new, but I mean, I, me and my band Smell, 
do a, do the opening and closing themes of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you like that, go to smell.bandcamp.com. We have two album, two little like EP album things out. Uh, they're both free. It, it says like pay what you want, but pay zero and you can download it. <laughs> um, but yeah, take a take a listen. Hopefully you like it. We're always on the hunt for new themes. If you guys want to get a hold of us, uh, email us at recordnightpod at gmail.com. Yep, you can also uh, find us on Instagram at recordnightpod. Uh, or Facebook at facebook.com slash recordnight. Yeah, oh. any any of those platforms, if you can think of a theme, or if you just want to join in on the conversation we have, usually new posts are posted with the episode. So if you, if you have an idea for what like your literary theme album would be, Pop in there and say something because we can always yeah, always take suggestions. We want to keep listening to what's what's going on in our themes. Yeah, and uh, I don't. I mean, these records are kind of old. This came out 2005. Yours came out 2004. So yeah, um, these are older records, but they're both great. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can listen to them now and enjoy. But uh, yeah, that was recognized.